I was all set to write a sermon this week. I knew that I was scheduled, which a couple times this summer hasn't happened. I'd, so I went ahead with my childcare. I looked at the lectionary and I saw, yes, Ephesians. I had lots of ideas. I did my translation work. I waded through all the commentaries that I could find. And I wasn't quite sure how to focus my thoughts yet. I even had some illustrations in mind, which never happens. So trying to figure out how does all this fit together in my head, I turned to a, a, a lectionary blog that I look at that I've quoted before called Journey with Jesus. Debbie Thomas is the name of the commentator. You've heard me talk about her before. Maybe you're sick of her. I don't know. So looking at what she wrote this week, all of a sudden, God grabbed me here. And I felt the Spirit. This was yesterday morning. Felt the Spirit prompting me to shift my thinking and my heart about what to offer this week. And to shift which passage to focus on. And even to shift whose words to offer today. Because here's the thing. I don't think I'm the person who has the word from the Lord that we need to hear today. I think Debbie is. I don't think I can improve on what she's written. And I think the Spirit wants to speak through her words today and not mine. So I'm going to do something today that I've not done before, at least not when I've known, you know, in advance that I would be preaching. I'm going to read someone else's reflection for you. And here's the other thing I'm going to do that's a risk, and we're going to see how it works. When I'm done reading her reflection, it's a little shorter, I'm going to invite some discussion from those who are gathered here today. Some of you are excited. Some of you are terrified. It's okay. For those at home, I'm going to actually invite you to text or email me some responses. Got my phone here. So right now is your time to track down my number if you don't have it. I'm not going to say it on the live stream for some obvious reasons. So let me for a second pray for us, because this is risky. And I, I'm, let's, let's pray. Spirit, we release control, I release control of this time together today and ask that you would use it to build us up into that mature body of the Lord that we read about. Come and do your work, we pray. And in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Here's the words of Debbie Thomas. Deep hungers is the name of her post. She writes this. I spent last week helping my elderly parents move into their new home. While I unpacked boxes and organized kitchen cabinets, my father shared early childhood stories I'd never heard before. He described a time when he was five years old when his village in South India suffered a food shortage. The rains didn't come. Crops and supply chains failed. And farming families like my grandfather's faced the prospect of starvation. My father told me candidly what it felt like to go to bed hungry at such a young age. How physically painful and frightening it was for him and his siblings. How wretched it was to wake up each morning and face the prospect of another day with little or no nourishment. Of course, the story broke my heart. But it also helped me to connect some dots I'd never connected before. When I was growing up, my father obsessed about keeping everyone within his sphere of influence well-fed. Our refrigerators and freezers were jam-packed. Dad loved taking us out to all-you-can-eat buffets. He and my mom spent hours cooking for our friends and family members, feeding them until they were stuffed. It was an obsession I found bewildering as a child because I didn't understand its origins. 
We were not a farming family living in a drought-stricken South Asian village. We were a comfortably middle-class family living in suburban America. But it didn't matter. My dad was haunted, I understand now, by a primal fear, a primal deprivation. Old hungers die hard. Every three years, the lectionary asks us to spend five long weeks in John's gospel, contemplating emptiness and fullness, hunger and nourishment, Christ and bread. We're asked to contemplate Jesus' self-description as the bread of life, or the bread which comes down from heaven. We watch as he feeds people. We listen as their scarcity mindset drives them to clamor for more. And we hear the challenge of his words when he invites the grasping crowds to probe the hungers beneath their hungers. The unspoken deprivations that fuel their desires, the needs they carry in secret places. I'll be honest, these five bread weeks are challenging for me because they pull me out of my head and force me to seek Jesus with my heart, or more accurately, with my gut. It's easy to look at Jesus and see a teacher or a moral exemplar. She's writing in an Episcopal context, maybe a little different than ours. She says, like many of you, I admire the fact that he speaks with wisdom, and I know that his compassionate way of life is worthy of emulation. But there's a problem with reducing Jesus to a clever guru or a generic good guy, a problem he articulates very carefully in the readings we linger over this summer. He doesn't stop at telling the crowds to learn from him, believe in him, or even follow him. Jesus issues an invitation that's far more intimate and provocative when he calls himself our bread. He invites us to eat of him. Eat him and never be hungry again. What's at stake for me in this strange invitation is whether or not I will move past religion and into intimacy, past abstraction and into communion, past self-sufficiency, and into radical whole life dependence on a God I can taste but never control. We become what we eat, don't we? So what are we becoming? In her beautiful meditation on Jesus as bread, theologian and Episcopal priest Lauren Winner writes, in calling himself the bread of life and not, say, creme caramel or caviar, Jesus is identifying with basic food, with sustenance, with the food that for centuries afterward would figure in the protest efforts of poor and marginalized people. No one holds caviar riots. People riot for bread. So to speak of God as bread is to speak of God's most elemental provision for us, which raises all sorts of questions. Am I hungry? If yes, what am I hungry for? If no, if not, what has made me full? Am I ashamed of my hunger? Does fullness scare me? What kinds of bread do I substitute for Jesus? Do I feel in my gut that Jesus is elemental provision, not appetizer, not dessert, not occasional dietary supplement, but essential everyday food without which I will starve and die? When my father shared the grueling story of his childhood hunger, I understood something about what has driven him for decades as an immigrant to the U.S. His experience as a five-year-old in India was about far more than literal food. It was about security, safety, provision, protection, 
It was about whether the world he occupies is an abundant, generous, hospitable place or a barren, empty, dangerous one. Jesus invites the crowds to recognize the deep hungers beneath their surface hungers. Of course, they're hungry for literal bread. They're poor. Food is scarce. They need to feed themselves and their families. There's nothing wrong, substandard, or unspiritual about their physical hunger. Remember, Jesus tends to their bodily needs first without reservation or preconditions, but he doesn't stop there. Instead, he asks the crowds to probe the soul hungers that drive them restlessly into his presence, hungers that only the bread of heaven can satisfy. What are those hungers? A hunger for security and belonging? Meaning and purpose? A longing for connection, communion, intimacy, and love? A desire to know and be known? A hunger for delight, for joy, for creative engagement with the world in all of its complexity, mystery, and beauty? An ongoing hunger for wholeness, redemption, and courage? A craving for the healing of old wounds? What would you add to this list? It's one thing to name our hungers, but quite enough to trust that Jesus will satisfy them. After all, we're so good at finding substitutes for communion with God. Mine include perpetual busyness, busyness, social media, books, movies, the 24-hour news cycle, exercise, chocolate, and other people. Do I really trust that Jesus is my bread, my essential sustenance? Very often, the answer is no. Very often, Jesus is an abstraction, a creed, a set of rituals. Why? Maybe because I don't come to him ravenous. I don't recognize my daily, hourly dependence on his generosity. In short, I just plain don't expect to be fed by him. Instead, I hide my hunger because I'm ashamed to want and need too much. In a powerful sermon on God's generosity, Lutheran minister Nadia Boltz-Weber describes the shame that often keeps us from feasting on Jesus. It's hard to accept not just that God welcomes all, but that God welcomes all of me, all of you. Even that within us we wish to hide. The part that cursed at our children this week, or drank alone, or has a problem with lying, or hates our body. The part within us that suffers from depression and can't admit it, or is too fearful to give our money away, or is riddled with shame over sexuality or cheats on taxes. All these parts of us we wish Jesus had the good sense to not welcome to his table are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'll readily admit that I'm still a novice in the presence of this challenging gospel text. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good but I recognize too well the shame and hesitation that Bolz-Webber describes. So where should I or we go from here? Once we've named and probed our deep hungers, once we've moved an inch closer to trusting God with the scariest desires of our heart, where do we head next? Into contemplation, I think. Into silence, openness, and vulnerability into a willingness to truly eat of Jesus, to take him into ourselves day after day after day through whatever spiritual practices work best for us. Prayer, meditation, Lectio Divina, song, 
Jesus wants to be so much more than a creed, a good example, or a teacher in our lives. He wants to be food. He is food. Are we hungry for him? Will we allow his substance to become ours? The bread of heaven is ours for the tasting. May we absorb it. May we share it. May we desire it above all things. May its nourishment permeate us through and through until we, like Jesus, become life-saving bread for the whole world. Again, these are the words of Debbie Thomas, Journey with Jesus. And now the risk begins. I brought a prop. It's going to fall. blank. Haven't done this before. We'll see. So the things, again, I want to remind us, you can text or email me responses. Some people are more uh, comfortable calling out things than others. We want you to feel comfortable here. Got my phone here. I would love it. You all at home, I would love it if you text me some responses. I'm going to take it off. Do not disturb so I don't miss it. So here are the things that hit me hardest in this essay, the things that made it go boom the spirit in my heart this week. Am I hungry? If so, what am I hungry for? And if not, what has made me full? Are they things from Jesus or not? So I want to start there for us, and I want to break the ice by, if you turn to someone near you and say, what are you literally hungry for? What do you want for lunch today? Just to get it going, okay? I'm having lunch with, with wheel dryers, so I'm hungry for whatever, whatever they made. Okay, turn. Turn and talk. No one else is listening. <laughs> it's just to break the ice. James is looking at t- meat. That sounds good. Oh, mean wiener. Ooh. I want to go to lunch with Albert. All right, good. You can talk. So, what are those things we're hungry for right now? I'm going to, I'll start. It's only fair if I'm making you do this. I am hungry for control. This pandemic has taught me a lot about myself. I like to plan. I like to be able to say, okay, here's where we're going. Here's a trajectory. Here's how we're going to get there. I cannot do that with this stuff. I don't have any control over the Delta variant I really wish that I did. I'm having a hard time. I am hungering for control. All right. Who wants to go next? What are you hungering for? Oh, Leslie, go. And then I got a response from someone online. Yeah. To see kids, friends, family. Yes. That says family. (laughs) All right. Someone from online says, hungering for community. Yeah, that goes with this. Someone else, I'm glad I'm not alone and wanting control. Anybody else wanting control? Yeah, I see a few of us. Acceptance. Yeah, that's a big one. I hunger for that too. 
There's so much, so many fights right now. So many fights right now. I think peace goes along with acceptance. Yeah, someone else said peace. Someone online says hungry for connection. I hear that. And for meaning and purpose. You know, I feel that too. I think we're all in this, this season where the things that maybe brought us meaning and purpose are even upended. Lori. As, you know, me too. Hungry for escape. Sometimes I, you know, two little kids and busy job, I just want to be left alone. All the time, a lot, no offense. Like, I, I love you all. You can text me anytime. But sometimes I'm sitting there at night with my kids and I'm like, I just want to be left alone. Like, can someone just, yeah. Anybody else resonate with that? Yeah. Yeah, Debbie. That was an amen. All right. I got a text from someone else. Just hungry for feeling settled. That's a good word, settled. There's, that's a word that kind of hits us in our, in our bodies, right? Where if when things are wrong, our bodies are kind of agitated. But that feeling of just, it's an inner peace as well as an outer peace. I'm hungry for that too. Someone else online. Yeah, this is another one. Certainty. That was one that came to mind for me as well. Certainty. I would like to know if my kids are going to be able, if Ruthie's starting kindergarten, I would like to know if she's going to be able to be in person this whole year. I just, and some, you know, I think about this on the highway all the time. If there's traffic, if I could just see what was going on in front, I would be more patient. <laughs> Anybody else resonate with that? I guess that's the control thing again, but also certainty. Hungry for certainty. Yeah. Anything else we want to add to this? Anybody feeling full? Sometimes I feel full of tiredness that keeps me from wanting community. I experience that a lot right now, and I think maybe all of us are full of tiredness. Anybody not full of tiredness right now? It keeps me from wanting good things. I'm too tired to want good things. I just want to be left alone. Anybody else in that place of tired and not sure how to get full? Yeah. Anything else we want to add to this? Huh. Full, so here's things that maybe we're full of that we don't want to be full of. Tiredness. Someone online texted me, worry. Yeah. Worry or anxiety. I think I'm, I'm filled with that a lot. What are we full of that we don't want to be full of? Guidelines. Oh, man. And guidelines that keep shifting. That's the tiring thing to me. Ruth, what were you going to say? Yeah. Yeah. The, the things that we cope to help us feel full, that maybe we shouldn't. Food, alcohol, shopping, uh, social media, or just things that make us numb. Things we want to add to that list? This is a little vulnerable, right? It could be for a friend. Someone else is texting me. Yeah, full of sadness and loss. That loss. Loss, sadness, and grief. Oof. This is the thing that gets me with the guidelines. Is every time there's a change in guidelines, my grief comes up again. I don't know if you experience that. It's that grief, of, that loss of certainty. These things that we want. 
Anything else you want to add with this? Things that we're full of. Oh, we don't want to be full. What's that? Conflict. That's the truth. Yeah. Conflict. I'm going to add one that I struggle with, that maybe some of you all do too. Judgment. And judgments. Which is not always a bad thing. We have to make assessments about what's right and what's wrong. (laughs) But when my judgment gets leaked with my desire to control other people, that's where we get in trouble, right? I can't, I, I, I need to not control you. The spirit gets to be in charge of you and not me, right? But I feel this a lot right now, and it's hard. Anything else you want to add? Responsibility. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Responsibility and maybe tasks we don't want. I feel that too. Albert. a great thing. He said, what happens when you're content with your life? What keeps you content? What makes you content? Okay. So you have a sense of maybe meaning. Does that bring you meaning and purpose? Yeah. You have peace. You have some meaning and purpose. I'm really glad for that for you. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Anyone else share things that you are content with right now? Things that are helping you fill up, fill up. Marianne. I know, it's hard. Mm. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Marianne is, for those of you who can't, can't hear, Marianne is sharing... Um, the perspective that, has, that age has brought her in Christ, because age doesn't automatically bring a perspective like that, but of being grateful for the essential things that you do have. I love your focus on what you do have, Marianne, and I've appreciated that about you a lot. I'm putting you on the spot now. but So I wrote here, perspective and gratitude. Gratitude. We talked about this last week as well, didn't we? We all have hungers. Debbie. Mm-hmm. Nature, God's creation. This is good because what I wanted us to turn to is thinking about, so we have our hungers. How does Jesus meet us in those? What are the ways that Jesus might want to feed us rather than all the stuff that we, we're full of that we don't want to be full of? What are th- ways that Jesus can feed us, ways that we can feed on him? as daily bread and not, I love how she put it, an occasional dietary supplement. What does it look like for Jesus to be our daily bread? What roots up in those things? Ruth. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. 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 So instead of clinging, instead of clinging to the things we want to cling to, to literally open our hands and emotionally and spiritually open our hands to the Lord and say, I'm struggling. What do you want to do? That's a great surrender. Surrender and prayer. Open hands to receive. Thank you. That was your word. What else? Allie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Huh. Mm. So the, the truth that in Christ we have every spiritual blessing that Christ has, we have. Just like in Ephesians, it talks about he's the head that everything else flows from. And so reminding ourselves, remembering that truth. I like that you also use the word imagination. Imagining the truth and reminding ourselves of that. I'm not quite sure what to write, so I'm going to write imagination. I'm tempted to write theology. Fancy that. But I'll write truth. Reminding ourselves of the truth. What else? What are ways that we can feed on Christ day to day? Mm. Yeah. What about that helps us feed on Christ? Silence and solitude. Mm. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. And when we're quiet, when we're alone, the other voices are and the Lord's voice can come out. What are we hungering for as a community? We've been talking about ourselves as individuals. Do we as a community have hungers right now? I long for us all to be together and not be worried and not be having to th- jump through hoops. I long for that. I miss you all at home. And I understand we need to make choices. So please don't hear this as pressure. I just really like you and I want to be with you. And I want to worship with you. I want to sing with you. I want to pray with you. I want to care for you. I want us to be a body together. I hunger for that. And I have to release to receive what is. We're here, we're there, and the Lord is keeping us together. What do we hunger for in Highwood? What do we hunger for in our neighborhoods? What sort of people do we want to be as we feed on the Lord? You can answer that or leave it hypothetical because, oh, we're getting low on time. The Lord gives us daily bread for all these things, all our deep hungers. As we bring them to the Lord, it's not just a way of, it's not a way of complaining, but of naming what is because that's where God wants to meet us, is where we are now in our contentment, in our hunger, in our need for control. God is there. Do we believe it? Do I believe that I can trust Jesus for daily bread versus figuring out how I'll get bread tomorrow or the next day? 
I've joked with Eric about this. I am the person that in the Old Testament would have tried to keep the manna for the next day. That's me. <laughs> Can I trust that there will be enough for today and it will be good? I'm going to put this here as a reminder that we get to come to the table and taste something physical that reminds us of something true spiritually, that the Lord is enough for us, that Jesus is ready to meet us with all our deep hungers, with his goodness and his grace. Let's pray. Father, make us hungry so that you might satisfy us with good things. Give us this day our daily bread. Grow us into maturity as your body, blessed, broken, and offered for the sake of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.